Take the Word of God with me tonight, please, and turn to the book of Proverbs in the ninth chapter, Proverbs chapter number 9. Now, I've had several folks ask me that are uh, getting ready to go out of town and go on spring break if I would keep it short tonight, and I promised them we'd keep it under an hour. And uh, they, they actually got me up here five minutes early, so we're already starting out all right. Proverbs chapter number 9. We'll read our text, and then we'll pray, and then we'll see what God has for us tonight. Proverbs chapter number 9, begin reading in verse number 8. The Bible says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you tonight, and I thank you for the awesome privilege it is to be in thy house tonight. And I do pray that as we look into thy word, that you would be with me, Lord, that you would help me to speak only that which would be pleasing to thee. And may the Holy Spirit of God take control of this service. When it comes time for the invitation, I pray that each and every one of us would respond according to how the Holy Spirit has dealt with us in our hearts. And we'll thank you and praise you for it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at what God has for us tonight, it's going to be a very simple message, but a message that I am very confident this is what God would have for us tonight. I believe if you're here tonight, you fall in one of two categories. Each and every one of us falls into one of two categories, and that category may change from day to day. But at any given time, I believe that it can be said about you or about myself that we are either wise or we are foolish. I believe that you can be wise one day in the wisdom of God, walking with God, growing in the Lord, and then the next day when we forget about it and we go our own way, then we can be considered foolish in that moment. As we look at this tonight, to be wise means to show experience, knowledge, and good judgment. To be foolish means to lack good sense or judgment. Now let me go ahead and clarify now, I am not speaking about worldly wisdom, I'm speaking about godly wisdom. To have godly knowledge and godly judgment, and there's a great difference between the two. And I believe here on a Sunday night crowd, you know exactly what I'm talking about some examples would be all the way back in Genesis, we find Adam and Eve are in the garden. And Eve, uh, excuse me, as my voice cracks, Eve basically, as she approaches that old serpent, she takes the word of that old snake, a created being, over the word of God, who is the creator. Was that a wise or a foolish decision? It was foolish. There were three Hebrew boys who stood face to face with the most powerful man in the entire world and refused to obey his command to bow down and worship an image which he had made because they decided that they would fear God more than they would fear man. Was that a wise or a foolish decision? Very wise. Now, it's interesting because you say wise tonight, you understand that we're talking about godly wisdom. Now, worldly speaking and worldly wisdom would say the opposite. The world would say, if you're standing before the most powerful man in the world, you better listen to what he's wanting you to do. Isn't it interesting how so often the world's wisdom and God's wisdom are exact opposite? We understand tonight that God blessed and God rewarded those three Hebrew boys who demonstrated God's wisdom in their life. They feared God more than they feared man. In Mark chapter 10, we see a man who kneeled before Jesus desiring eternal life. He claimed to have kept all the commandments from his youth. And Jesus said that there was one thing that he lacked and offered him the opportunity to follow him. 
All he had to do was sell what he possessed and give to the poor. Then he could follow Jesus as his disciple. But instead, this man missed out on a great opportunity, and he left sorrowful because he had great possessions. Wise or foolish? I think we understand tonight that that was a very foolish decision. He had the opportunity to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. What I want you to see tonight is God delights in those that desire wisdom. God delights in those who would seek after godly wisdom in their lives. We're in the book of Proverbs, and the author of this book, the wealthiest man that has ever walked the face of the earth, was so blessed by God because when he was given the opportunity to have anything his heart desired, he desired of God wisdom. And God so richly blessed Solomon abundantly above what he had asked because God delighted in the fact that he asked for wisdom. As we look at the Word of God tonight, I want you to examine your heart. I want you to examine your life right now, tonight, and determine, are you wise or are you foolish? I want you to see, number one, the signs of a wise man or a foolish man. How do we identify the one from the other? How can we tell them apart? How can you determine in your life if you are walking in wisdom or if you're walking in foolishness? Again, look back at our text in verse number 8. The Bible says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. How can you identify a fool? Well, the Bible says the foolish man is one that will buck against godly counsel. The foolish man is the type of man or the type of lady that cannot handle receiving instruction or correction from anybody. In fact, the Bible says when given it, he will hate thee. He will swell up with anger in his heart. He desires to do things his way and his way only. Perhaps you know somebody like this. Perhaps you work with somebody like this. And it's always their way. And any time somebody comes alongside, even if it's in love, to try to assist them and help them to do something with more productivity, to do it in a, in a better way, well, it wasn't their way, man. They get mad about it. Perhaps there's been times in your own life when you can see this characteristic or this trait come out. You know, the truth is we've all been there. It may not be the dominant trait of our lives, but we've all had moments in our lives when we're doing things that we know how to do, and somebody comes alongside us and tries to help us, tries to correct us, tries to show us the error of our ways or how we can improve on something. But we're so prideful, we're so filled with pride that, man, we know what's best. We don't need any help. And it bothers us that they would think that somebody like me, you know, I know it all, would need assistance. Verse 8 says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Can I tell you the way in which you can identify the sign of a fool is the way he reacts to godly counsel, the way that he reacts to reproof or correction. Well, I automatically identify whether or not he is a fool. You know, again, I, the, I believe with all my heart that this trait, being a fool or being a wise person, you can have this dominant trait overall in your life, but I believe for each and every one of us, that can shift, that can flux. There are days in which I'm walking in God's wisdom, and there are days when I go away from the Word of God, and I make very foolish choices. You may come to church, and you may act the part. You may be sitting in a Sunday night service, and you may be acting the part. You know how to walk the Christian walk. You know how to talk the talk. And you're deceiving everybody that's in the room tonight because inside your heart has grown calloused and grown hard, even in a Sunday night service. Why is that? Because we're walking in foolishness. We are lacking godly judgment and godly discretion. 
You know, as we look at this idea, I want you to see that you and I are not beyond the moments of foolishness. And we have to protect ourselves and we have to guard ourselves from moments of foolishness. Take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Numbers in chapter number 20. I want to show you an example of this in the Old Testament. Numbers in chapter number 20. We see here that Moses, even Moses himself, had moments of foolishness in his life. Now, Moses was God's man of the hour. Moses was arguably one of the greatest spiritual leaders to ever walk the face of the earth. Moses was the man that was chosen by God to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage, to lead them through the wilderness. He was God's chosen man. And as we come to Numbers chapter 20 and verse number 8, the Bible says this, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. As we look at this portion of Scripture, we find Moses, the man of God, the man that God has divinely chosen to be the spiritual leader of the nation, had a moment of foolishness in his life. In this moment, the Bible says in verse number 9, uh, excuse me, verse number 10, his frustration with the nation of Israel. Israel constantly murmured and constantly complained against their godly authority. And here they are murmuring and complaining about not having any water to drink. And so God tells Moses, go and speak to the rock and water shall flow from the rock. And Moses, in his frustration and in his anger, says to the people of Israel, Ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? Man, he was upset. He was frustrated. And what Moses did in this moment was he allowed his frustration, he allowed his anger with the people of Israel to overshadow his fear of the Lord. Moses was not in the right state of mind, and he made a very foolish decision. And you want to know what that decision cost him? Look again in the last verse that we read. Verse number 12, The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. One foolish decision on the part of Moses cost him the promised land. Can you imagine the devastation that that must have been to Moses Year after year after year, he followed God. He led the nation out under the power of Almighty God. And after wandering around in the wilderness with one hope, one expectancy, I'm going to see the promised land with my nation. In a moment of foolishness, the consequence was, not me. God would not allow him to enter into the promised land. Can I tell you tonight that any time you and I play the fool in our lives, it costs us. Anytime we forget about the fear of the Lord, anytime we neglect the Word of God, anytime we go astray from the Lord, it costs us dearly. There are consequences. I said at the beginning, godly wisdom is to show godly experience. 
godly knowledge, godly judgment. To play the fool, obviously, would be to not show godly judgment, to not show godly knowledge. Again, in verse number 8, look at, me, look at it with me, please. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. The reaction that a fool will have to correction, to reproof, is going to be anger and hatred. By the way, church, I do not believe that this passage of Scripture is only talking about when you confront a fool yourself. But can I ask you this question? What is it that you and I have that in and of itself is counsel? In and of itself is reproof. In and of itself is correction. It's that book that you hold in your hands. The Word of God is our correction. It is our reproof. It is our counsel. Do you want to know how you can identify a fool? Look at the way he reacts to the Word of God. Look at the way he reacts to the preaching of God's Word. The Bible says the fool, when you correct him, when he's under the sound of the Word of God, when he opens up his Bible and the Bible places its finger on something in his life that needs to improve that is not right, he'll get angry about it. You can watch that reaction and you can see in that moment if that man or that lady is walking in godly wisdom or if they are playing the fool. So we can identify that man, we can identify that fool because of the anger that he has toward godly counsel. Notice with me again at the end of verse 8, what about the wise man? What is the signs of a wise man? How can you identify the wise person? In verse number 8, at the end of the verse, the Bible says, Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Well, this sounds quite the opposite, doesn't it? The fool, when given counsel and instruction and given godly authority, will buck against it, will swell up with anger. But the wise man, when he is given instruction, when he's given counsel, when he's given rebuke, the Bible says, he will love thee. Give instruction to the wise man. He'll be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Here's what the Bible says. The wise man will love instruction, and he will be a wiser man when he is given that instruction. You want to know what the difference is between that fool and that wise person? The difference in your life and my life when we're walking with God in wisdom and when we're following the devil in foolishness, the difference between the two is the fear of the Lord. Look at verse number 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The Bible says the difference between the two is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There is no godly wisdom without the proper fear of the Lord. Why is it that we have moments of foolishness? We lose our sight of fearing God. Now, what does it even mean in verse number 10 to fear the Lord? What does that even mean, fear God? Does that mean that you and I are to cower before God? Does that mean that you and I are to look at God as a hard taskmaster and be afraid of Him? I don't believe that at all, though there are people that would say that about our God. But He is not a hard taskmaster. When we see the phrase, fear the Lord, for that is the beginning of wisdom, I believe that that is a fatherly fear. We look at our God as our loving, merciful Father who loves us. And the Bible says, Whom the Father loveth, He chasteneth. It is a fatherly fear. It is a chastening fear. It's as a young boy who looks at his earthly dad and he loves his dad. And because of that, there is a fear. 
Not a fear that his dad would abuse him. Not a fear that his dad would take advantage of him. But there is a fear on that young boy's heart to disappoint his dad. Because he has respect and he has love toward his dad. And he's very careful not to do anything to displease his dad. Why? Because he loves him. And he wants his daddy to look at him and be proud of him. He wants his daddy to look at him and say, Well done, son. And any time that that young boy may mess up, any time he may be disobedient and dad has to come home from work and take off the belt, boy, that's a bad feeling, isn't it? Dad comes home, you know the belt's coming, and as much as that belt hurts that young boy, it's nothing compared to that look of disappointment in his daddy's eyes. Because he knows he's disappointed the one that loves him the most. He knows he's disappointed the one that he loves and that he respects. And so the Bible says in verse 10, Fear the Lord, for that is the beginning of wisdom. What is this fear? That's a fatherly fear. I want you to know tonight, I love my father. My Father has done everything for me. He's given me His Word. He sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross to pay for my sins. Jesus did not go to the cross to pay for His sins. He didn't have any. He came and He bled and He suffered for my sins that I might have forgiveness, that I might have a home in heaven. Can I tell you, my Father has given me everything. He loves me with an everlasting love. And I would hate to know that I have disappointed, that I have let down my Father. There ought to be a fear of the Lord. Not only because He's our Father, but yes, He is also the judge. And our Father will judge our sin. There's consequences. We need to make sure that we put the fear of the Lord in its rightful place in our hearts. There is no godly wisdom without godly fear. And then the verse goes on in verse number 10. Not only do we fear the Lord, for that is the beginning of wisdom, but he says the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Well, what is holy? God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. You understand tonight that we serve a holy God. We serve a righteous God. And not only is God Himself holy, God's Word is holy. He says here, the knowledge of the holy is understanding. How is it that you and I will ever increase our knowledge about who our God is? It's through His holy Word. We must be in the Word of God. What this verse is saying is that the person who is in God's Word, and the closer that you and I get to God Almighty, the deeper our understanding will be. The deeper our understanding is, the greater our spiritual growth will be. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to be a strong Christian. I want to be strong in the Lord. When Satan comes after me, I want to be able to stand with my shield of faith against the wilds of the devil. But how do we get there? We've got to have godly wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. Have you ever faced moments in your life when it just seemed like your spiritual walk, your relationship with God was stagnant? You ever felt like you were just stale spiritually? There were no new victories in your life. There's no new... Uh, excitement in your life. There's no zeal, no desire to serve the Lord. No zeal, no desire to see souls saved. I don't know about you, but I've been there. There have been times in my life when it just seemed like my spiritual walk with God had grown stagnant. And I began to ask myself, and I began to seek in the Word of God, why? Why am I not having victory? Why am I not growing closer to God? Why is the excitement gone? 
And I believe with all my heart it goes back to two things. If your life is stagnant tonight, your walk with God is stale, I believe it goes back to you've lost your fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. And secondly, we've neglected the Word of God. Anytime the child of God gets away from the Word of God, the growth stops. Have you sought to increase your knowledge of the holy? The Bible says the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Can I, can I illustrate this for you? Take your Bibles again and turn to the New Testament to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4, a familiar passage here. I want you to be able to just look at it. We're not going to read the passage for sake of time, but I want you to browse through John chapter number 4. We come to this passage and we see the woman at the well. Again, many of us would be very familiar with the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, the Bible tells us about a Samaritan woman who came to the well in the heat of the day. This woman came to draw water from the well at a time when it was not convenient, at a time when it was very, very hot, and most people would not be at the well. She did this because she was ashamed, because she knew she had great sin in her life. And Jesus Christ met this woman at the well, and there they began to speak one to another. And as they began to speak, Jesus Christ did something amazing. Jesus did something that probably, to be honest with you, was not very welcoming. As they began to talk, the Lord Jesus Christ looked that woman square in the eye and He exposed her sin to her. He looked her square in the eye and told her, Hey, you've had five husbands and the man that you're currently with is not your husband. (coughs) How would you like it if somebody were to come up to you tonight and they were just to sit next to you as kindly as they could, put their arm around you like an old buddy, look you square in the eye and say, Hey, And they start to list every sin that you've committed in the past 24 hours. They told you all the things that you've done wrong. Well, Jesus meets this woman. They begin to talk, and then He exposes her sin to her. Now, understand what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing in this moment is He is rebuking this woman. He is bringing to light her sin. He is exposing her sin to her. And this woman was rebuked by the Lord. He declared unto her her sin... Now, if you know the story, you know exactly what happens. But do you understand how easily it could have been for this woman to get swelled up with pride? You understand how easy it could have been for this woman, upon receiving the rebuke, to bow up with anger? She could have marched away angry at the Lord. She could have marched away offended. But her response was a little different, wasn't it? We see this woman had a very wise response. Upon being rebuked, She loved the Lord. Upon being rebuked, the Bible says here in our passage in Proverbs 9 that the knowledge of the holy is understanding. In the moment that Jesus revealed her sin to her and began to speak with her, in that occurrence, in that occasion, that woman's understanding of who Jesus was was opened. She increased in her understanding. She increased in her knowledge of God. She recognized, wait a minute, this isn't just some man I'm talking to. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. He was able to tell me my sin. And as she increased in her knowledge of the holy, as she understood that this was Jesus, she had a wise reaction. The Bible says the wise man, when given instruction, when given rebuke, will love the one rebuking them and become wiser when given it. I'll tell you, that woman at the well was a great example of this. 
when she received the rebuke, she loved the Lord. When her knowledge of who He was increased, her understanding increased. And rather than marching away in disgust, rather than leaving bowed up and angry, you know what she did? She left that place with the love of Jesus Christ in her heart. And she ran right back to the town where all the people that knew her were. And she said, Hey, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You've got to come see Him. You know what her reaction was? She loved the Lord and she went out and she brought people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said she brought multitudes to the Savior. She brought people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again... Had she been a very foolish woman, and I believe that her past shows that there was a lot of foolishness in her heart. But when she was rebuked, verse 8 says, You reprove a scorner, they'll hate thee, but you rebuke a wise man and he'll love thee. In this moment, her knowledge of God increased. She left in the wisdom of God. And because of that, she was able to bring souls to the Savior. Can I ask you tonight, again, Put yourself in her shoes. If somebody were to come to you tonight in love, exposing your sin, trying to help you to get right with God, what would your reaction be? If somebody were to come to you and they were to say, Brother, I've noticed that something's been going on in your life. Let's pray about it. Let's get it right. Let's put that sin behind you so you can serve the Lord. What would your reaction be? Would you be too high and mighty? Would you be too holier than thou and super spiritual that... Man, what does this guy know? Who are you to correct me? Who are you to give me instruction and correction? You know, I praise God that there have been men in my life, and I praise God that there have been elderly women in my life that have noticed when I have stepped off a path and they made it their business to come to me and help me and try to bring me back to the right path. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't always have the right reaction to that. There were a lot of times of foolishness in my heart. But I praise the Lord that there were times when somebody saw something that I didn't and they came alongside me and they tried to encourage me and they gave me counsel and it saved me a lot of trouble down the road. You know, perhaps you're here tonight and you're going through this in your mind and you're asking yourself this question. If they were to come to you and they were to try to help you tonight, what would your reaction be? Perhaps you'd be the kind of person that outwardly you'd be kind. I mean, after all, everyone's looking at you. But inside your heart, that anger would begin to swell up. Can I tell you, foolishness is not only on the outside. God sees your heart. God knows where the anger is, even if we keep a pleasant look on our face. What I want you to see tonight, first of all, are the signs. How do you identify a fool from a wise person And the answer to that is the reaction. It is our reaction to the Word of God. It is our counsel. It is our fear or our lack of fear of God. It is our reaction when being rightfully corrected by God or by God using a brother or a sister in Christ to come alongside and help us that identifies us as being wise or being foolish. Friend, again, I ask you tonight, who do you identify with at this moment? Are you walking in godly wisdom Or are you walking in foolishness? Turn the Bible with me back to Proverbs, but turn to the 24th chapter. In closing tonight, first of all, we see how you can tell the two apart. We see how you can identify the wise man from the foolish man. Again, we're talking about godly wisdom. 
godly knowledge, godly judgment, and we identify them by their reaction to the Word of God, their reaction to the preaching, their reaction to wise counsel and rebuke. Notice with me in closing, what are the results? What are the results of a wise man and a foolish man? What is it that that wise man or that foolish man will produce in their lives? What is it that that life will lead to? In Proverbs chapter 24, begin reading with me in verse number 5. Proverbs 24 and verse 5. The Bible says, A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. He that deviseth to do evil shall be called a mischievous person. The thought of foolishness is sin, and the scorner is an abomination to men. Look at verse 10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. I want to bring your attention again to the 10th verse here. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Can I tell you what the result is of a foolish man? What is it that a foolish man will produce in his life? And the answer to that is failure after failure after failure. When we get away from godly counsel, when we get away from God's Word, when we get out from under the preaching of God's Word, when we get away from God, we're no longer walking in God's wisdom, we're walking in our own foolish wisdom, or maybe we're walking in the world's wisdom, which is opposite from God, we become foolish in our hearts. And the Bible says, for the fool, he will faint in the day of adversity because his strength is small. He's not allowed God's Word to pierce his heart. He does not seek the daily bread that is needed for strength. You know, the Bible speaks here in verse 10 about fainting in the day of adversity because his strength is small. I want you to know that that word strength in verse number 10 has nothing to do with our physical abilities, has nothing to do with our physical strength. There will never be a time when you can go lift enough weights and build up your strength enough to where you can go out and battle the devil physically. It will never happen. The day of adversity has nothing to do with physical strength, but it has everything to do with our spiritual strength. Every single day... Satan is on the attack. Every day, the enemy of God, the old serpent, the devil is on the attack. The Bible says, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And by the way, he doesn't attack us on a physical level. The temptations and the trials of life cannot be withstood by physical strength. These are physical or spiritual battles, rather, that must be fought. Therefore, if you're going to be a strong man of God, if you're going to be a strong woman of God, if you're going to stand against the trials of life, if you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, it's not in physical strength, it's in spiritual strength. There's spiritual battles that must be fought. We must be strong spiritually. If you faint in the day of adversity, if you and your Christian walk are failing on a regular basis, you're falling to temptation after temptation, you're going farther away from God rather than drawing closer to God, your strength, the Bible says, is small. Not physically, spiritually. The foolish person is one that will faint in the day of adversity. Why? Because spiritually speaking, he's a wimp. Spiritually speaking, he's puny. Can I tell you, friend, tonight, I would hate to know that my God in heaven would look down at my life 
And what he saw was a wimp spiritually. I would hate to be spiritually puny in the eyes of my God. We need to be strong in the Lord. You know, this week is spring break. And I told the young people this morning that over the next several weeks, as various colleges and various high schools go on spring break, all across our country, the sin in our nation is going to increase dramatically because provision for the flesh will be made everywhere. Can I tell you what the difference will be? When God's people and the church of God stand strong on the Word of God. It's when you and I stand strong spiritually that we go out and we combat the provisions of the flesh and we do our part to win the lost. We have to be strong spiritually. Because if we faint in the day of adversity, it's because we have been foolish. Our strength is weak. What the Bible says here is that the wise man... Again, look at verse 5 with me quickly. Verse 5. A wise man is strong. But the foolish man in verse 10, he's weak. He faints in the day of adversity. That's the result. The foolish man has failure after failure. But the wise man in verse 5, the wise man is strong. Yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. For by the wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors there is safety. What the Bible says here is that the wise man who is great in knowledge will stand strong against great temptation. If verse 10 is true, and it is, the fool who is weak in spiritual matters will fall against every wile of the devil, then the opposite is true. The man of God, the wise man, who is great in knowledge, who has allowed the Word of God into his heart, that man will be strong against great temptation. The more knowledge that you and I have concerning spiritual things, the stronger we will be against wicked things. Again, verse 5, a man of knowledge will increase in strength. An individual, listen to me, an individual who is seeking to know God. I'm not talking about coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and allowing somebody to stand up and preach the Bible to you, and that's all the Bible you get. I'm talking about a wise man, one who is seeking God personally. Every day they're in the Word of God for themselves. They don't have to be spoon-fed, although we need the preaching. Preaching is important. But if the only Word of God you get is behind this pulpit, you are not a strong Christian. You must be in God's Word for yourself personally. And that individual that is seeking to know God and getting closer to God, that man is a wise man because that gives him strength. Can I tell you, friend, it is the pouring of God's Word into our lives that will give us the strength that we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. And can I tell you the greatest part about it all? The greatest part about God's wisdom, listen, don't miss this, it is attainable. You can have godly wisdom in your life. You can have the pouring of God's Word in your life. You can have this quality. You can possess it. You can have victory over the trials of life. You can have victory after victory against the devil. It's attainable. It's available for you. God has given this to you. So then why is it that in churches all across our country we often live such defeated lives? Why is it we have those moments of staleness and stagnant in our Christian life? Why is it that it seems like God's people no longer have the power that they once had? 
if it's available, if wisdom is there, if God's power is readily accessible, why do we live defeated lives? You know, I believe it's because of this. If you're going to have victory and you're going to have godly wisdom, you've got to possess it God's way. What is God's way? It's God's Word. It has to be through God's Word. You and I oftentimes are so guilty of seeking our own way and we try to find our own way to overcome the world, to overcome the flesh and the devil. We strive and we try to come up with our own ideas and oftentimes we're naive enough to believe that eventually God will catch up to our way of thinking. Friend, can I tell you something? God's not going to catch up to our way of thinking. God's ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Who are we to think that we know better than God and His Word? Yet so often, that's our attitude. That's our spirit. Friend, listen, if you live the type of attitude and you live your life trying to do it on your own and your ideas and your strength and you're trying to work up a victory in your life, every time that's going to lead to one thing, defeat. It's foolishness. Victory comes by God's way, and God's way is God's Word. Can I illustrate this to you once again? I believe the greatest way that I could demonstrate this truth to you is in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the greatest example. You may remember in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, during His earthly ministry, there was a time when He was led out into the wilderness and He was tempted of the devil 40 days. And out in that wilderness, while Satan is tempting Him and bombarding Him with temptation after temptation, the Lord Jesus Christ, how did He defeat the devil? You know the answer to this. Jesus is led into the wilderness 40 days. You think of it. 40 consecutive days. It has been nothing but temptation after temptation by the devil. And it was the knowledge of the Word of God that fought off the devil. It was the Lord's knowledge of His Word that did battle with the devil. Now understand that He was God. Jesus Christ is God, the Son of God. He could have snapped His fingers and been rid of Satan. But He chose rather to leave us an everlasting example in His book that it was the Word of God and it was His knowledge of God's Word that took care of the devil. How is it we go to combat the, the world, the flesh, and the devil? Not with a physical sword, with our spiritual sword, the Word of God. Friend, this book contains everything that you need as a Christian. It contains all the strength that you need. Again, I ask you tonight, not last week, not yesterday, I'm talking to those here tonight. Which one of these categories do you find yourself in? Upon hearing the Word of God tonight, has the reaction that you've had been one that you know represents foolishness? Or has it been one that has allowed you to draw closer to the Lord upon hearing the Word of God. Where do you find yourself tonight? Just in closing, can I tell you that any time you and I lose the fear of the Lord, any time that you and I neglect the Word of God, any time we fail in our understanding of the holiness, what we are doing is playing the fool. 
And any time that we play the fool, then the decisions that we make will always lead us away from God. But it's when we're walking in understanding. It is when we have placed the Lord in His proper place and we are fearing the Lord as we ought. It's, when, it's in that moment when we're in God's Word and we're seeking after God that God gives us His wisdom. And when we have godly wisdom, then every decision that is made in the direction that we take always leads us to God. You see the difference? The foolishness leads away from God. Godly wisdom will lead to God. This past week, we went through what I believe to be the greatest missions conference I've ever gone through in my life. The messages that God gave to Dr. Cottle each and every night were absolutely tremendous. And I don't know, I can't speak for you, but I'm telling you, God lit a fire in me. And God did a work in my heart. And can I say, Central Baptist Church, coming off a missions conference like we had, there ought to be a greater desire than ever before to increase our giving for world evangelism. There ought to be a greater desire to see God's Word go around the world. By the way, that ought always be our desire. But coming off a meeting like this, there ought to be an excitement about it. There ought to be a desire to pray and beg God to be with our missionaries around the world to beg God to protect them and give them fruitful ministries. There ought to be a desire in your heart right now, tonight, to do our part in winning the lost in our Jerusalem. Man, there ought to be a burning desire. And yet, it's only by God's wisdom. It's only when you and I possess the wisdom of God, which means we're exercising godly wisdom, godly judgment, godly experience, godly knowledge. It's only in that moment can we accomplish each of these things, which are God's will. Friend, tonight, the message is simply this. If you play the fool, you walk contrary to God. You refuse to give more for missions. You forget to pray for the missionaries. You're too lazy to go out and personally win the loss. To play the fool is to walk contrary to God. But to stay in His Word, to keep Him in His rightful place, is to allow God Himself to give you supernatural wisdom that will lead you to God, that will allow you to accomplish the work of God, that will allow the fire that ought to burn in your heart to blaze brightly so that you can go out and do the work of God. Can I encourage you tonight, don't be a fool. Stay in the Word of God. Keep humble before God, having the right fear of the Lord. It's only then your life will not be stagnant. You'll draw closer to God on a regular basis. Friend, where are you tonight? Are you playing the fool? Or are you where you need to be with the Lord? Let's bow for a word.